When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. We're on the road today here in Lincoln at Seacrest Field ahead of high school football. Wonderful to be with you. Hail Varsity Radio at Seacrest here. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We're also streaming on StreamYard. So you can catch the show that way if you like. Facebook and Twitter with ESPN Lincoln. It also Hail Varsity Radio's Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. The stream is there for you. Numbers to get in today with Hail Varsity at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email Chris at HailVarsity.com. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. You can see Elijah's throwback Denver hat if you do log on to uh, to StreamYard. It's one of those old school, well, really the classic uh, logo with the big D and the, the donkey in the middle blowing steam. It's it's a steed, I'm sure, as Elijah uh, gets closer to the, uh, to the webcam to, to zoom in on that. But uh, great to be with you. Uh, not quite the road trip for us. I'm just down the road here in Lincoln. We're up in Omaha tomorrow as you're invited to come see us at the Hale Varsity Club 4-6 to six ahead of Nebraska Rutgers watch party up there in La Vista. But uh, a lot to get to with this ball game tomorrow night. We'll spend time with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity here in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes to be exact. We'll talk with Vogue's about the matchup and his preview, the I-80 preview on the Herd at uh, Network, the podcast you got to check out in hour two. We'll uh, hear from Jeremiah Searles, Husker great and longtime NFLer. Searles with us at 5. Gary Barnett talks some college football this weekend with us at 525. And then your gambling fix from Vizen Sports with Danny Burke. Elijah, big ball game tomorrow night, big ball game for you, the Denver fan tonight, and just gorgeous weather, a little breezy out of the north here, but high school football follows uh, here uh, in Lincoln when we're done. Well, I'm in the process of trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my weekend because my Broncos play tonight, the Huskers play tomorrow, which leaves me an open Saturday, aside from the Saturday morning show, which uh, 79 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. Saturday morning show, and then I have a free day Saturday, and then I wake up Sunday, and maybe I'll watch some NFL. Let's be honest. I'm still going to be sitting on my couch watching football for at least 12 hours each day, um, but I got to like figure out something else to do because my, my teams aren't going to be playing, and sometimes that, that 
you know, kind of ruins the watching experience when you don't get a, a chance to watch the teams that you want to watch. So I'll figure out what I'm going to do. I know there's a concert at the Bourbon I might hit on Sunday night, so maybe that'll be good. But uh, I'm still in the process of deciding what I want to do. Beer and wings, my friend. Beer and wings. It's as simple as Saturday that. Okay, but, but, but get this. We got Sunday night. It's a group called Here Come the Mummies at the Bourbon Theater, and they're, they're being opened up by a guy named Sax Squatch. So Sax Squatch okay. is a guy who dresses up like a monkey and plays the saxophone, and then Here Come the Mummies are this jazz funk fusion group that all dress up like mummies. That just sounds like a great time. Well, you do your thing there and make <laughs> sure the, uh, the, the, the sax fly, playing uh, uh, champ doesn't throw things at you, okay? <laughs> it's always a danger when you go near, go near monkeys. But uh, what's the danger look like? In Piscataway, good video for Nebraska as they boarded the plane and took off to the East Coast. Listen, and this was a good workflow that was uh, put out on uh, on Twitter uh, earlier. And it's funny to think about, but really I think this is absolutely the pulse of Nebraska fans, right? It's it's the, the workflow of Big Red or Husker Nation you start to believe again, you get your hopes up, and then you get disappointed. Okay? Uh, you, you won a ball game, and you won a close ball game, and does that carry over? You have a little bit of momentum. Can you keep it, or do you lose it? Was it a, was it a one-time thing? I mean, Rutgers isn't a great football team. Nebraska's not a great football team. And that spark that was provided when you had a chance to catch your breath post-Oklahoma, get settled in, uh, Nebraska played well enough to win. They executed. They did their job, and they made some big plays. At stake, I mean, there's a lot riding here. Nebraska has not won a, a road football game in Big Ten play in six attempts. The last road football game Nebraska won 2020, the uh, air quote champions weekend where Nebraska played Rutgers and it was the good Adrian, bad Adrian, the bad first half, the great second half, the swan song of Wondell Robinson and Nebraska won that thing 28 to, to 21. Elijah Rutgers has lost 20, 20 consecutive home games. And a little bit earlier this week, uh, NewJersey.com put out the must-win edict for Rutgers football and Greg Schiano. I think he's in his fourth year there. But Nebraska's formula was pretty simple on offense. Hammer Grant, get some play action going and get Casey and Palmer connected in the passing game and then be sound and be physical defensively. This game comes down to me what 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 do your off hands do? Clearly, the offense is the strength of Nebraska football. The Rutgers uh, defense is top twenty nationally. Rutgers offense is bad. Nebraska's defense was better last week against Indiana. But what are they going to do when it comes to again tough man or a tough man's fight? What it was deemed by Bill Bush. So what's the defense do against a, a, a what's a uh, a, a, a prove-it defense do against a, a prove-it offense. That's Those sides of the ball, to me, along with turnover, is going to determine how tomorrow night goes. Oh, don't forget about special teams, though. 
That, that's what Mickey said last sure. week was that they, they needed a big play, a big splash play from special teams. And uh, that was a big factor in Nebraska being able to go win that football game over the weekend, despite the fact that Nebraska went and, and controlled it in the fourth quarter. If you don't block that punt, uh, you don't know what momentum can look like in that first half, especially with how, or, excuse me, how Indiana closed that half. So uh, mm-hmm. a question in my mind, not the biggest question, but well, what can the special teams do against Rutgers? Because this might be the type of game where you're going to actually need, uh, need, I say need, and they needed it against Indiana. They didn't really need it against Indiana. They did, though. If you, if you follow what I'm saying, it wasn't crucial. It wasn't like a one-score game. And a game against Rutgers, this very well could be a, a one-score game. Well, what can your special teams do to make a big play? Can you hit a field goal that's, you know, on the edge of the edge of the range where you don't know? It's a fourth and four, and, and Mickey's got that decision. Do I go for it? Do I kick the field goal? Can you knock home that field goal? Can you... Uh, block a punt can you return a a kick and set up your offense in in plus territory where you have a good chance against a very stout Rutgers defense it could be a game where the special teams looms large for Nebraska Uh, that's something in my mind but when I look offensively with this Huskers team you saw how the body blows of running the football through the first second and third quarter were able to wear on that Indiana defense and how you were able to assert your will a little bit more in the fourth quarter do they keep that going against Rutgers against a, a Rutgers defense that that is probably a little bit more physical than this Indiana team. Uh, it's, they, they embody what their head coach Greg Schiano is, and that's a, a physical, hard-nosed Big Ten guy. Can Nebraska stick with the running game? It might not be there in the first quarter. Can they stick with it? Can those body blows wear down Rutgers, and can you start to assert your will a little bit more in the fourth quarter? That's how, I mean, if you've seen anything as a Husker fan over the past five years, I think it's that a consistent run game is what's going to win you a football game in the fourth quarter more than anything else you can do offensively. So if Nebraska can, can wear down that Rutgers front seven and, and build a solid rushing attack with Anthony Grant in that offensive line, uh, combine it with some some key special teams plays at, at big moments in the game. I think Nebraska's putting themselves in a great chance to win. And on top of that, something that we talked about during the line change, can Nebraska protect the football? Rucker is the team that loves uh, getting takeaways, A, and B, capitalizing on those takeaways with their offense. Their offense does well in a short field uh, with uh, how well they, they run the football. So can Nebraska protect the football and win the turnover battle? That's going to be another big key for me in this game tomorrow night. Well, you, you hit on it. I mean, the oxygen for the Rutgers offense is turnovers. It is short field. Mm-hmm. It's how things worked out for them against Boston College. It's how things worked out for them against Temple. I mean, they got a, a big six pick six against Temple. That, that really swung yeah. that game in favor of Rutgers. And if they don't get that pick six, I'm not sure if they're winning that football game. But what it did, A, on the scoreboard, and B, to the momentum of that football game, allowed Rutgers to go do it. Turnovers, I think, are going to be very, very big. And they're big in every single football game, but maybe especially so against Rutgers. They're huge. They're absolutely huge on the road. Uh, If you're trying to go do something you haven't done since 2020, if you're Nebraska, we'll get to some of your comments. We'll also hear from Mickey Joseph. He sat down uh, a little bit uh, earlier this week with Rivals and Clint Cosgrove. Some pretty telling comments by Mickey. Uh, Jeff chimes in, no matter how this game goes, uh, the rest of Nebraska's season goes, I believe, more fans believe in Mickey than they did Scott, so I think it'll be okay. Ted emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. While I'm reluctant to admit this, Husker fans' expectations are so low that Coach Joseph will be welcomed with open arms if he makes it to a bowl game. We've gone from firing 9-10 to 10 win coaches to hoping to win 6. Yeah, expectations are, are low, uh, the team's been beaten down. Uh, they got to have that belief. They got a taste of it against Indiana last week. Can they get a second kind of prove it moment on the road uh, this weekend or this Friday night 
against a team like Rutgers. And, you know, I look at that, uh, that mantra of, of belief and, and being able to, to coach up. And, and that's, that's something that's noticeable, Elijah. And we've been through kind of the flavors of the, of the week the last month here, not quite a month since Scott's dismissal, right? We, we've talked about Aranda. We've talked about Leopold. We've kicked things off with, you know, Matt Campbell. Is he ready to leave Iowa State? Well, the, the flavor this week, there's been more and more thoughts. All right, Mickey got a win. Team looked completely different. They were pretty competent. Penalties were kind of a nightmare. But other than that, they, they, they distanced themselves in a close game. We'll see what Indiana's uh, record is at the end of the season. But you're not going to scoff at, at a win. I mean, it's not like those are happening every weekend in, in Lincoln anymore. Really, Mickey's kind of been the, the flavor this week. There's been more and more. All right, may, maybe he might be the guy. Uh, and, you know, good for Mickey and good for Bush and what they've done uh, so far this season to kind of rally the troops and get stabilized after that bye week. Yeah, and, and one thing that I'm seeing here in a comment in from Jeff, and I'll put it up on the, the screen for those following along on the live stream, is that Nebraska isn't Wagner. Rutgers isn't that good. I believe the Nebraska staff can keep building with these kids and win this week. And as you said, there hasn't been a lot of winning in Lincoln over the past couple of seasons. And I can't believe, I shouldn't say I can't believe, but, but one win against an Indiana football team who isn't all that good this season shouldn't make Rutgers any less of a task. If there's anything that I've learned in the Big Ten over the past few seasons is that there's no easy weeks in the Big Ten. You might be playing a team that's a little bit down, but we even saw it with Northwestern week one. Northwestern's not a good football team, and Nebraska made them look good. And sure, Mickey and his staff are, are building, but let's not act like Nebraska hasn't been, in, in previous years, looking awesome one week and then looking terrible the next, and you go, what the hell's going on here? Uh, so it's not like there's any easy weeks in the Big Ten, despite the fact that Rutgers, yeah, they played Boston College close. They played Temple close. Uh, but the difference is they went and got wins. And Nebraska played a lot of teams close last season. You could say, well, they were better than their record indicated, but they didn't get wins. They still ended up at 3-9. and nine. At the end of the day, Rutgers is still 3-2, and two, and they're still a Big Ten hard-nosed football team. There's no easy weeks in the Big Ten, and every week is going to be that, a test for Mickey, a new test uh, in the, the process of, of becoming the full-time head coach. I'm not ready to anoint him after one game. If he goes and beats Rutgers, I'm not going to be ready to anoint him after two games. If he makes it to a bowl game, I'm not going to be ready to anoint him. Uh, it's, it's deeper than that when if you look at what Nebraska has in terms of their resources, their expectations, their fan support. A bowl game is not good enough for Nebraska in the grand scheme of things. Could it be this season? Is it a big victory? Yes, but I could even see a scenario where Mickey Joseph takes Nebraska to a bowl game and doesn't get the full-time gig. As Mark Whipple said earlier this week, I think the only guarantee that Mickey keeps his job is if Mickey goes and wins the Big Ten West. If he can do that, I think it's it's his job. But anything short of that, I think there is still a good argument to go bring in a new guy in here to go build a new culture and, and to do something else because Mickey, he's never been a, a full-time head coach. He can go catch lightning in a bottle this season and do well, and he's a great recruiter. And could he build things for the future? Yes, but it's still there's still question marks surrounding Mickey Joseph, and it's only been one win that we've seen so far. So let's not not get too far ahead of ourselves and say Mickey should be the guy. Well, I'll say this: uh, can can you get consistency back in Lincoln? Nebraska was consistently good, consistently dominant to the tune of nine and three at worst, right? And that looks like a dream right now if you're a Nebraska fan. But 
the, the way Nebraska went about it, Mickey gets that. Mickey gets how to do that. So does Bill Bush. And, and that is through uh, confidence. That is through honesty. That is through physicality. And those are three of the, the things Mickey brings with him to the office every day uh, for this football program. And that's what's been missing, the, the physicality. How do you go about your work? And Nebraska's bought in, and Mickey said it time and time again. We'll hear more from him with his rivals sit down. The, the national recruiting man for rivals chatted with Mickey. But, no, I mean, Mickey gets how to how to make a winner or how Nebraska's won and needs to win, and that's through being the tougher team on the line of scrimmage. He'll, he'll, he has that. That's big. And uh, whether it's him or whoever ends up being the new coach, or full-time coach, that's that's the key ingredient here is physicality if you want to live and survive in the Big Ten. Brandon Vogel's with us. Hale Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Thursday edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Back at his football office, the incomparable Brandon L. Vogel rocking his uh, Bears lid. We're, we're just talking all sorts of hats today. I've got the Coach Osborne hat on. Elijah has the throwback donkeys lid. And, Vogues, did you ever own, and you need to check this out on the stream yard, Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Twitter, or ESPN Lincoln Facebook, where you can watch the show. But, Vogues, did you ever have the, the, the cursive hat like you have on now, but the corduroy version? Did you ever have the corduroy hats? Back in the day, I did. I did. I had a Bulls one that was corduroy. I had I had the corduroy and then just the plain plain black wool as well. Um, and then I don't know if I completed my Chicago triumvirate with the Cubs one as well, but I probably did. Actually, I know I did. That one was black too. All right, big fan you know, of the script. Cor- no, the script is good. the uh, The corduroy hats were, were we thought they were cool <laughs> at the time. They're, uh, they're, they're all good. Uh, the I-80 uh, preview podcast has dropped. Heard at uh, is where you go. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever platform you go to. Check out Vogue's preview. What are you thinking tomorrow night, aside from a great slice of uh, New York pizza? Uh, I, I seem to think Elijah nailed it with, with the, the road and the turnovers. That's key. But to me, uh, to reiterate, it is what can Nebraska's defense do against uh, a Rutgers Offense. I mean, those are both the, the weaker hands coming into this. As you've analyzed a little bit here, what uh, what pops up on the radar for for this outcome here? What uh, what what speaks to you? Yeah, it feels similar to last week in that regard. In that you know, it's strength strength when Nebraska's Nebraska has the football, and a little bit of weakness weakness when when Rutgers has the ball. And I guess point in Nebraska's favor, in my mind, they're at least coming off a good defensive result. I mean, easily the best defensive result of the season, 14 points allowed on the defense itself. And 
a great performance on third down. So we'll see if you can carry this over. I mean, I think the general setup here, you know, this line opened at a pick em. Last I saw it was about three and a half for Nebraska. And where that midweek line settles usually <laughs> tends to be about about right most of the time. And I think that's that's fair to expect. Like if you set this game up where there's not going to be any turnovers, both teams have to go 75 yards every time they have the ball. I think Nebraska pulls away from a Rutgers there just because it has more scoring power, but football games aren't like that. So a lot of this might come down to some of those plays that are tough to plan for. Brandon Vogel is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, another thing we talked about last segment was how important it is for Nebraska to, to establish a running game against a team like Rutgers because they like to be physical, Rutgers does. And if you can out-physical them at the point of attacking and develop a running attack that's going to be big for you in the fourth quarter of what could be a potentially close game. So did you see enough from the offensive line against Indiana to have a, a little bit of confidence moving forward uh, against a team like Rutgers, especially with uh, the rushing attack? Maybe a little bit. Uh, I still think it's a pretty big question mark. You know, I, I was a little bit shocked to look at the Indiana box score after the game was over and see Nebraska was at basically three yards of carry on a night when Anthony Grant went over a hundred, took him 32 carries to do it. And I, you know, that's interesting to me from a kind of football perspective from Nebraska. Like if you're going to be willing to, to ride a guy like that and he can hold up, you know, that's something that was a, a frequent complaint at Nebraska over, you know, not just the, previous frost era but even leading up to that so so that's interesting i think you're right you know this rutgers defense i think is top 25 in yards per play um 33rd against pat in passing success rate ohio state only threw for 160 yards against this team last week but it rushed for almost 300 so rutgers is up down 62nd rushing success rate so just about average so if you're looking at both phases of that with that knight's defense i think testing them via the run and how much success you can have there tells tells you how much nebraska has the potential to control this game what's your feel on on travis vokalek uh going back home so to speak to, to rutgers we saw how key he was in in ireland especially on third downs i mean just a just a security blanket there but tight ends in general can they be a big part of of tomorrow night uh, in the passing game you know the world's going to be focusing in on palmer you need a complimentary piece whether that's alante or washington or omar but the tight end uh, that that matchup if you can get it uh is, is an advantage against a linebacker or a safety yeah i think i think that's a key point there this rutgers secondary is is good um i think it's where the majority of the talent on the team is it's a veteran group at some spots and they've got five guys back there that they'll play basically five starters um and they, they've had six interceptions on the year so you know if, they, if they're going to be in a ton of nickel if nebraska is not able to make them pay with the run game um that becomes a challenge for that nebraska passing game and one of the potential answers there then becomes, can you create some matchup issues with, with a Travis Vokalak? He only had two catches since he's come back from injury in two games. Um, so he's, you know, in addition to just the storyline of getting back to what was once his home field, uh, I think being able to, to have some success is important for Nebraska 
and then it would make a nice story if uh, if that plays out. <laughs> Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, when you're looking at this game being on a Friday night, how much is that factoring in for you, especially when you, you look at what both these teams are coming off of? Nebraska, a big momentum-building week after winning against Indiana. As for Rutgers, they got pretty beat down by Ohio State, and as you mentioned, almost 300 rushing yards for the Buckeyes. And I think back to what was said a lot about the 1990s Husker teams where – they said that they wouldn't beat a team twice because they went out physical the team so much they were they were beat down they were bruised and and that next week it was a, a struggle uh, for those teams to go out and be able to compete in a, a physical football game after what Nebraska did to them the week before and c- could you see that being a factor here for Rutgers especially considering the fact that it, it's on a short week uh, or or is that not a, a big concern to you because uh, Friday nights are weird but it's only one it's only one fewer day of preparation. Yeah, only one fewer day, and, you know, both teams have to deal with it. If I had to lean, I would lean slight edge Nebraska. It just seems, and we'll see, you know, Greg Schiano at his uh, Monday press conference, there was a handful of guys that he basically said, you know, we'll we'll see. So put them in the questionable category. And so my impression is, is Nebraska might be coming into this just a little bit healthier, having had that bye week two weeks ago. Um to, to kind of look at personnel in a fresh way. Um, you know, a guy like Malcolm Hartzog doesn't have a ton of miles on his tires yet. Um, and and that's, that can be a good thing if he's going to continue to be a part of things. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how I handicap that one. Uh, I think it's, it's not going to be a huge thing. It's pro- it might even be offset by the fact that, you know, if this remains a game, and it, I think it probably will, into the second half, um, you got that home crowd. Um, it, it's been a while since Rutgers has won at home, but they've been traditionally over Shiano's entire span, been pretty good there at night. Um, so, so we'll see. But if, if I had to choose, I would take Nebraska on this one, just coming in what looks like a little bit healthier, though we'll see when we get the actual, I guess we don't get an injury report, but when we see who's out on the field warming up for Rutgers. Brandon Vogel with us, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Follow him on Twitter, at Brandon L. Vogel. Steven tweets in when it comes to the, the coaching search and uh, the interim tag being lifted, what Mickey needs to do to, to make that happen. But when it comes to the Big Ten potentially doing away with divisions, does that influence whether or not you go a different direction because you're going to need to be – in that top three, arguably for uh, for the Big Ten race to to be a playoff team. Yeah, I I think it does, but it's hard to know in exactly what ways because if you know if you're hiring now at Nebraska or now Wisconsin based on the current setup, you know I think and this has been a painful lesson for Nebraska. It's been one that Wisconsin has been able to avoid through multiple coaching changes in this current division setup. It just takes a different kind of football in the Big Ten West as it's currently uh, as it as it currently sits. And Nebraska has struggled with that. Um, So looking at it from that perspective, I don't think this is necessarily one where you're like, well, USC and UCLA are coming. So you got to be ready to recruit like recruit at or above those teams levels. I mean, that's, that's important too, but it's, it's more, you know, maybe going forward, Nebraska isn't playing Northwestern, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, which a lot of years feels kind of indistinguishable in terms of the type of football they play. You're going to have a much more varied schedule, I guess, is, is the, the takeaway there for me. 
Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Brandon, we got about two and a half minutes here before we got to say goodbye. And I want to ask you about the Mickey Joseph factor. It's been popular name among fans this week that, you know what, Mickey took the first step against Indiana to being the, the head guy and people like what he's saying. And I, I want to ask you how much you think that's going to factor into Trev Albert's decision at the end of the season. If Trev, or if, excuse me, if Mickey's able to win over the fans and he's the popular pick, is Trev going to have to take that into consideration whenever he's making his choice for Nebraska's next head coach? I think you have to you have to look at it. You have to include it as a factor. I'd be surprised if it was the deciding factor for Alberts. I think what this team does over the next seven games, and you know, a big part of that is is wins and losses. It's you know, it's a lot easier if Nebraska goes five and two over the remaining games than two and five to to consider that option. Um, but I think it'll be more what Trev sees kind of internally, like how he, you know, moments like, and you know, granted this was kind of made for social media, but there was some genuineness to it too. Just the moment in the locker room after the game against Indiana, you know, seeing those things like that, that, you know, we're never going to be able to really like get into and talk about on a, on a radio show, but Trev's Trev sees them and everybody around him sees them. So those things I think are important, you know, there's an example and a counter example for any coaching hire you want to make where, Oh, you went and did this and it worked. Well, here's one where it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, you can look at it, hiring an interim, uh, at Ogeron won a national title and then was out, but Hey, worked for Davo Sweeney, an assistant wide receivers coach who didn't have any head coaching experience. Nope. Can you get the guys, uh, prepped and ready? Uh, Mickey's preaching toughness. They're practicing, uh, toughness and Mickey can recruit. I mean, you're going to need to have some Jimmys and Joes when SC joins the league, when UCLA uh, makes their way to Lincoln. And then, you know, your job is to be competent in the West. And if the West goes away and it's one big pot, uh, you got to beat Michigan and Ohio State. And yeah, they're tough, but uh, they uh, they have some dudes. They got NFL guys at the skill spots. Vogues will check in with you on uh, on Saturday morning for the weekend edition. Enjoy your football tomorrow night. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Good stuff from Brandon Vogel. We continue on Hale Varsity's presented by Currency. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Thursday edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, hunker down here at Seacrest Field in Lincoln, just off of A Street, Lincoln High and Lincoln East get going tonight uh, locally here on KFOR. I'll have the play-by-play of that uh, gorgeous night for football. Uh, Perfect day for you to get in touch with your friends at Red Zone Tickets. Selling fun since 2001. Do you need tickets? Do you have tickets that you can't use? Red Zone Tickets buys and sells tickets to all types of events. We're talking Husker football, Husker volleyball, NFL action, Creighton hoops, And, of course, concerts, theater performances, and the CWS, RedZoneTickets.com, where you log on. They're located in Omaha. They're local. They're great people. And they have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. They are your local source. And they have a 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. Cross it off 
the bucket list. Create those memories that last a lifetime. Do so with your friends, your local source, Red Zone Tickets, redzonetickets.com. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-800-825-5865. You know, what's your momentum meter right now for Mickey Joseph as head coach? The, the, the needle's moved, right? You get a win, you're impressive, it's nice. Matt chimes in, if Mickey can get us to a bowl game and maybe a bowl victory, I'd love to see what he can do with an entire offseason. Brandon, Mickey's a player's coach, a guy who can teach these kids how to believe in themselves and compound uh, on wins, and uh, it's that dog mentality. So uh, right now, uh, things are, are good, but uh, another test awaits for Nebraska tomorrow night with a really tight point spread. Gary Barnett next hour, his thoughts on the Nebraska-Rutgers matchup, some Big 12 action this weekend. Jeremiah Searles, 20 minutes away. So Mickey sat down with Clint Cosgrove of Rivals and some good thoughts here in an interview from Mickey, some excerpts from that that was on social media a little bit earlier today. And let's hear from from Mickey himself, specifically the Nebraska job. Elijah, we've talked a lot about the Nebraska job, its pros, its cons, and the reality that that Trev Alberts knows in Lincoln where it's storied, there's support, but when it comes to to wooing a coach, it's a different, it's a tougher sell than it used to be in Lincoln. And it's not just following the legend thing. I mean, you've been – uh, away from the main stage for quite a while, and when you've been on it, you haven't performed necessarily. But here's Mickey when it comes to the Nebraska job and, and its perks. Start with the fan base. The fan base is still here. I, I remember when they were three and eight going into the Iowa game last year, and when I was at the other place, we were we were five and six going in, going into the last game. They they had about they had about ninety sub thousand. Nebraska did. I don't know what we had. I'm not going to say any numbers, but they had 90,000 plus and they were three and eight. And so the fan base is still here and the support is still here. And also the resources are still here. We're building a a brand new um, $68 million facility, you know, $168 million facility. Okay. So the resources are here. We have we have a, a great recruiting recruiting budget. We can send our coaches all over. Now we just got to be able to put the work in and go get them. But the the love the love for the state that they have for the football for the football team is still there. And it's still a great place to live. You know, for as a you know you're a young teen a teenager and when you're in your early twenties because you're you're the face you're the face of everything around here. You're a superstar. So it teaches you how to be humble and how to get ready for the next level because you're treated like a NFL player while you're here. Mickey Joseph on why Nebraska is still a good job. A lot of points there and a lot of teachable moments in Lincoln, Elijah. That there is. And I like his, his point. Not, not necessarily about the fans. We all know that the fans are here, but how you can sell it to a high school kid saying like, yeah, if, if you want to be ready for the next level, uh, I know that the results haven't been here in the past couple of seasons, but the fans are still here and they're going to prepare you how to be an NFL player. As, as soon as the results start coming, as soon as we start getting the talent through here, you're going to be more prepared than anywhere else you can go in the country just based on what kind of attention you have. It almost sounds like 
uh, listening to that quote that you're sitting in the living room with Mickey Joseph and he's trying to recruit you. It sounds like he's pulling that straight from a recruiting pitch. Now, I think that was really, really interesting to hear the head man say it like that. More from Mickey Joseph with his rivals sit down. This, uh, when it comes to, are you the guy? He was asked, uh, why are you the right man for the Nebraska job? This business works on W's and L's. So when we made when we made the change, we made the change. It was a quick change. You know, I woke up Sunday morning. I wasn't even expecting it. I, I just seen the call from the AD, and I didn't answer. I, I, I went on by my business because I said maybe he's trying to go a different direction with me. <laughs> you know, but but you know, just just being a player here, coming here in 1987, playing for Coach Osborne, I understand the transition of. The, the athletes when they come here, especially your African-American um, players. You know, you, it's, it's, it's a different world, but it's a great world. You know, it's a great world to live in, and it's, it's a great world for them to come see. Because when we got to go down south, you know, we're going we're gonna to go get the best players from down south. And we're going to be very aggressive in Louisiana, as you know. We're going to yep. be aggressive in Louisiana. So my thing is bringing them up here, you know, understanding – Knowing where O Street's at, okay, and Vine Street, knowing what T Town's at, knowing what South South Lincoln's like, you know, just knowing knowing the lay of the land and know when a kid gets up here, when he's gonna get homesick. Because I got homesick about the third week. You get homesick about a third week and when things slow down. So yep. they would tell a kid, you know, hey, I've been there before, I've been through the shoes. So I can share a lot of my stories with the kids that's on this team right now. You know, about how we did things and things I had to do. Like I told him, I said, you know, Coach Osborne, if I miss class, I had to, I had to, had a punishment run at, at 5 a.m. So if you miss class here with me, you got a punishment run at 5 a.m. So my thing is being real with them, letting them know that, understand that, you know, Nebraska, okay, where's Nebraska at? And, you know, but I, but get them to also know that this is a great place to, to come play football and, great resources and it's a great way to get them ready for the NFL and and then you're going to get your degree you're going to graduate Mickey Joseph on uh, the Nebraska gig and uh, the experience of being a Husker player and uh, laying it out he he hit all the parts man didn't didn't quite get to to West O or the North Bottoms uh, or or 16th Street uh, Greek Row that's that's okay. He hit he hit T Town. He hit South Lincoln. He uh, hit O Street, right? So uh, yeah, he he can totally relate with uh, being a guy in Lincoln uh, that's uh, wearing that in on his helmet. We'll hear a little bit more from Mickey Joseph, what he's had to fix in the short term and the mindset with this football team for the second half of the season. And uh, interesting comments here as uh, we're on the stream as well, ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. I think Matt chimed in with an interesting question. You're picking Mickey or the field. You can take Mickey or hire whoever you want, a personal favorite. We'll wind down this first hour. It's Hail Varsity presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Winding down Hour 1, Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow. We're here at Seacrest ahead of Lincoln High and Lincoln East High School football Thursday night under the lights. Reminder to get buckled up. And uh, using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department 
of Highway Safety Office. And uh, we're presented to you by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Elijah's Broncos in action tonight against Indy. The uh, Twitter video was a uh, awkward forward pass from the 1930s. And that was uh, a representation of what to expect tonight between Denver and Indy uh, on offense. It may set football back. Elijah's glaring at me right now on the stream yard. Uh, I hope Russell can cook, man. I got him on fantasy tonight. Uh, a few more thoughts from Mickey Joseph. Let's we'll squeeze that in uh, with his sit down with uh, Rivals National, uh, specifically here the short term uh, fix here for Nebraska football here as uh, he's taken over as interim. So what I gave him, I gave him a voice. You know, if they didn't like something, they can come to me, walk in his office and say, Coach, I don't like it. And Trent, our, our, our center, the first time we had a night practice and we turned around that morning, he was waiting in my office and he said, he said, Coach Mick, we can't do that. We don't have enough recovery time. Well, guess what? I didn't do it again. When our linebacker said a Saturday, hey, Bill, don't call that again. And he never did. You know, so they got a voice right now, so they feel like it's their team. Because uh, I explained to them a player-driven team is a really good football team. We had a player-driven team when we won national championship. That's your ever. We could <laughs> we could have we could have sat in, and people think we just rolled the ball out and we played. No, those kids worked, and that's the way we're working now. You know, we bring a physicality to practice. We tackle it in practice. We block it live in practice. So we're going back to what Nebraska was based on and, and was, was Nebraska DNA was being physical. So when that end came out the tunnel, when they seen that end on the helmet, they know it was going to be a rough day for them if they didn't bring it. But if they brought it, they know we wasn't going to back down. So my mentality, like it's always been, is very aggressive, very aggressive with a lot of confidence and encouraging the players. And I asked him this morning, I gave him a quote from Deion Sanders. You know, I gave him a quote, you know, Deion said, bet on yourself. Bet on yourself. When you look in the mirror, believe in yourself. You know, and I, and I thought that was real because that's one thing. He's one of the realest, realest guys in the world, you know, that Deion. So, you know, I do pay a lot of attention to what he says because he says some real stuff. And he can say some things we can't say, you know, and that, <laughs> yeah. that's good because, you know, I wish I could. But, you know, how that go on this side. So, but I'm just telling you that the kids have really bought into what we're doing. The coaches has bought into what I wanted to do, but I, what I wanted to do is make sure we get back to good old blocking and tackling and we physical. And if we physical every play, then we're going to give ourselves a chance. Got to do it, man. Got to be tough in college football and uh, you got to get them ready to, to be tough, right? We'll hear uh, a little bit more from Mickey next hour uh, when it comes to uh, the second half of the season. A guy who's been tough on the line of scrimmage through his career in the NFL and at Nebraska will get his take on the O-line. Some of the changes we saw last week and moving forward, Jeremiah Searles, Husker standout, longtime NFLer. He'll kick off hour two. Gary Barnett next hour. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. 
Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Into hour two, we're still here at Seacrest Field, Roadshow Thursday. Friday, we are at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Watch party, Nebraska Rutgers, as you're invited up. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal were presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. We've missed talking to this guy, a great Husker and longtime NFLer to kick off hour two. We say hi to Jeremiah Searles. Find him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, how the heck have you been? You know I'm doing well. I'm in a Best Buy right now because my computer decided today was the day it wanted to die. So, you know, always fun just to try and end your week with a couple grand. Well, <laughs> you know, that that's how it, it tends to shake out. So are you going with the giant monitor? Are you going with an iPad? What are you, what are you shopping for? We're, we'll get the iMac. I have the iPad and the iPhone and the whole bit. So just make it so they can all talk to each other. At least that's what my wife said. So happy wife, happy life. Uh, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But the, the iMac, it, it's not known for its gaming potential, Searles. And I'm not saying that, that you're a gamer, but you got kids in the house. Maybe they're going to be playing some Modern Warfare here coming up. It's, it's, you know, there, there could be better options if you're going to be, you know, well, you stream. You, at least not, you used not to. On, I don't stream anymore. Ever since Baby 2 popped out, my streaming days fell way down. <laughs> well, I, there I you that, go. I guess, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so get a big old screen is what we're telling you. Uh, I got and, a big old and, screen, double monitors. It's going to be a nice setup because now I got to move my whole office because now we have baby three on the way and so moving congrats. the office from. Thank you. So we're doing a whole bunch of uh, honeydew projects. Even though the baby's not due in April, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to do between now and then. Pretty soon, Searle's just going to be in the closet with seven monitors and, a, and an extension cord. And, uh, and, and, and there you go. Yeah, I've got the hand on top you. Perfect. Yep, there's Are no the, doubt about that. You in the checkout line right now? Nope, I'm walking out right now. Okay, good enough. Jeremiah Searle's with us on a computer road trip. So what did you like with the offensive line, Searle's? Let's go to Indiana and what travels to Rutgers. Let's focus in on the big guys up front. You know, I loved their ability to protect Casey. You know, that's a big thing in this. You know, we had the strip sack, but, you know, I thought that they did a better job in protection. You know, the guy that I thought came in and played extremely well was Hunter Anthony. You know, Hunter Anthony's a guy that people have been wondering, why hasn't he been playing? You know, what's going on? And no one knew the answer, but he got thrown into the fire um, with Bryce Benhart. And, you know, with Mickey Joseph, he said, you know, he's going to switch things up, give new guys opportunities. And, he had a great opportunity, went out there, made the most of it. I'd expect to see him start again at right tackle. Um, Turner, on the other hand, can't just punch people in the face. Just can't do that. You know, I loved his finish. I loved the way that he played there at left tackle with that nastiness. But he's got to be a little smarter because, man, you cannot, you're not going to win a lot of games with your third string left tackle. So tell me a little bit about that transition for, for Turner where he moved from left tackle back into left guard. Now he's back out to tackle. Is that a, something where – 
you expect some some learning pains as, as he goes back out to that tackle position, or is this like you know putting on an old pair of shoes that still fits? Where you know what it, it might be a little bit different than the the pair of shoes you've been wearing for the past couple of weeks, but it's still comfortable. You know, it's not as much the learning issue that goes back and forth, but the thing that is happening, and you're seeing it happen a little bit more and more, is it's it's hurting his development. You know, development as a young player, it really, you want to stick him in one spot, right? And that's what they want to do with Teddy. That's what they want to do with all these young players that play early. You know, I was fortunate enough as a young player, I only played tackle. Now, granted, I played right at left tackle, but for the most part, I only played tackle. And that allowed me to develop and grow and hone my skill set there in a tackle. Bouncing from guard to tackle, you're learning completely different skill sets. You're learning completely different timing. You know, timing your punch, timing your footwork, the, the, the closeness of the defenders, working with linebackers, the combination block is all different. You know, Turner is a young player that got hurt, didn't play in the spring. You know, you're just going to see his development not go as quickly as someone that could stay in one position longer. Searles, what have you liked about Mickey taking over? I love the energy he brings. You know, I, I see him on the sideline, and he's just such an energetic guy. You know, he brings so much energy. He brings so much passion to what should be and what it needs to be to be a good football coach. And so, you know, I love that for him. I love that he's not afraid to come in and make changes. You know, it takes a lot of guts to fire your defensive coordinator after one week on the job, you know. And, but he knows what to expect. He knows what's expected out of him. And he knows what he's going to expect out of his players. He's not afraid to make the tough decisions. You know, it's looking like he truly is playing the best that will play. He doesn't have a ton of politics. He doesn't have a ton of that as far as what he has to do right now. And I think that the biggest thing for him is he just knows that he has to win football games. You know, I think that he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him to go out and go undefeated. So I think that team feels that lack of pressure. You know, I think there's something to be said of the pressure that the team felt under Scott Frost. You know, there's the buyout and all that stuff that happens yet. Last year, you know, they were playing a little bit like, man, if I don't play well, my performance isn't well, my head coach might get fired. You know, you could feel that tension, that ball of tension through the whole team. And, you know, I think with the lack of pressure on Coach Joseph right now and the freedom everything, the whole team's kind of embodying that. At least that's what I saw in Indiana. Time will tell how that goes. But initially that's what I saw, and I think that Mickey embodies that, the team embraces that. Who knows if this team could pull off. So I want to get your take on what you saw from the defense against Indiana and whether their their improvement can be sustainable moving forward. Mickey said he, he told uh, Ty Robinson and the defensive line to play a little bit more free, and they were able to get home to the quarterback with a little bit more success. Uh, you saw guys flying around. The defense didn't look like their feet were stuck in the mud, uh, if you will, as much against Indiana as they did in previous games. So do you think it's it's sustainable? It's something that, that can be uh, giving you hope moving forward? Or is that a defense that was just going up against an undermanned Indiana offense? A little bit of both. You know, I, I'm not ready to anoint our defense back. You know, they've struggled mightily. And the one thing Indiana didn't do is they didn't try to run the football. And everyone else that has has had success. So, you know, until I see us go to toe-to-toe with a fully equipped team that can run the ball, pass the ball, do the whole bit defensively, and we can match that performance, then, then I'll start to say we're on the right path. You know, Indiana is a decent football team. I don't know if I'd call them a good football team. You know, but they throw the ball over the yard, and they went on that quick passing offense and Shoot, I think they had more three and outs that lasted a total of like 13 seconds than anything. You know, so when a team can sustain drives and run the football and go first and ten, second and six, third and two, and then convert and do that over and over again, that's where the depth of Nebraska's defense gets tested. And that's where we've really struggled at the beginning part of this year. When Ty Robinson and Feast and those guys have to go out up front, the backups come in, and there's a bit of a drop-off, you know, more than you'd like from the ones to the twos. So, 
those guys really, the, the backups, the depth guys, the rotational players on that defensive line have got to step up in order for me to think that we can do this in a week-in, week-out basis. Searles, uh, let's talk about what's going on at, at practice and, and Mickey's making it physical. They're, they're hitting, they're tackling. And I'm interested in, in your take on the preparation uh, that, that is now going on because it sounds like it's a different practice style and mentality. And there's, it feels like there's a better chance Saturdays to be prepared for Saturday with, with what Mickey's doing. You know, I'd like to think so. You know, sometimes when you do the same thing over and over again and it just keeps giving you the same result, it means the definition of insanity, right? And that's kind of what we feel like probably the whole Scott Frost era was, was just the same thing for five years. So close, so close, so close. I think Mickey recognizes that. He comes from a program that won a lot of football games at LSU. He's been a part of programs that have won a lot of football games. And, you know, he's probably implementing some of those things that allowed them to win those football games and change is good you know change is good shake things up makes guys refocus makes guys relook at how they prepare how they watch tape like the pace of practice the pace of everything change is good you know so i think that them changing all that's going to really work benefits for them but again time will tell you know we're going against the Rutgers team that we should beat handedly i agree i think but at the same time you know we got some really big games coming up against really quality opponents Searles, from a player's point of view Rutgers game being on a Friday night, how much do you think that's going to impact how this team comes out? It is different. Leaving on a Thursday, you're missing some extra classes, and, you know, in the the era post-COVID where you can join any class via Zoom, it's a little bit different. But the feel is just completely different surrounding a Friday night game, at least how I see it. But how do you see it as as a former player yourself? Do you think the guys are going to feel that this one is any different being on a Friday night? Oh, yeah, the short week is huge. I mean, the nice thing is coming off the bye week into the short week. You know, the bye week into a game into a short week, you're not just rolling the gauntlet through. But it is about, I mean, these short games are about guys that recovered better during the week, that prepared better during the week, and were able to get the game plan. I mean, early short week mission, you see it on Thursday night. It's like, well, who stayed the healthiest during the week on the NFL? That's who's going to win the football game. You know, so a lot of that has to go with it, too, but... The big thing is Friday night on the road in Scataway, New Jersey, or wherever the hell they go. You know, not a very like exciting time. You got to bring your own energy. You know, when you go on the road and go in a hostile environment, you can feed off of that energy from the opposing team, even good or bad energy. Same with a home game. When you go to kind of a sleepy stadium and no one's really there besides the parents, and maybe a few friends, and you're trying to play a game and you don't have much energy, you can allow a team like Rutgers to stick around with you. you know? So this team, I'm really seeing if they can bring and match that energy that they brought onto the Memorial Stadium last Saturday on the road with them. And if they do, I think they'll be just fine. Worst place to play on the road when you were at Nebraska? Oh, Northwestern or Purdue. I mean, it's a toss-up. The, the, nice thing about Northwestern, the nice thing about Northwestern is our fans travel so well. The Purdue one is just, I mean, that place is an absolute bleep hole. Searles, <laughs> <laughs> why does Nebraska get it done tomorrow night? You know, they get it done tomorrow night because they continue the energy that they had on defense. They get some takeaways, and then they just keep feeding Anthony Grant that running game. You know, continue to put the ball in his hands, and then Casey, Casey Thompson takes care of the football. I really do think that tomorrow's going to be decided over the turnovers. That's one thing that Nebraska's got to make sure we do is not turn the ball over and then steal possessions by taking the ball away and giving this offense some short field. So if you're handicapping it now, let's say Nebraska gets the win tomorrow night. Give me an offensive and defensive MVP that leads to Nebraska's victory. Uh, offensive MVP is going to be Trey Palmer. The defensive MVP is going to be Nick Henrich. 
Nick Hinrich, interesting, okay. interesting. What, what about, he's, what about he's Nick? Elevated. He has elevated his defense since he's been back. Tell me how. You know, he's elevated because you can tell that the connection between Luke Reimers and Nick Hendricks is an unspoken connection. Very much I see it when you have players that just know each other so well. They're not worried pre-snap about who's lined up where, whose assignment is here. Nothing against Ernest Hausman. I think he's a really good young mm-hmm. player. But you're spending a lot of time getting him lined up and making sure he's assignment sound besides just playing. You know, Luke and Nick have played so much ball together. They have an unspoken thing. They can worry about some of the other younger guys around the field instead of that linebacking core. When you have a solid linebacking core and communications on point between those two, everything just operates so much smoothly. Searles, to the NFL we go. Thoughts on your Vikings, thoughts on your Bills? I mean, my Bills, I mean, everyone wants to say they anointed them Kings week one and two, rightfully so, and then they've struggled the last two weeks. But, you know, I think that's a team that is decimated by injuries right now, and they're still finding ways to win. You know, when the Bills have everyone healthy and it's Micah Hyde, they're all pro safeties out for the year. But, you know, you give the Bills a chance to get fully healthy. They're the best team in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Um, my Vikings, on the other hand, I don't know. We have a Kirk Tober coming this way, whether it's spooky Kirk Tober or all-star Kirk Tober. There's no telling. But there's always a Kirk Tober where he either rises or falls. So it all depends on him. You know, the Vikings defense is not very good. It's very different. They're playing that shell. Let's see if we can keep it all in front of us, and then we don't type of defense. So, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, I think that they have a chance to win the North with the NFC North being not great. Um, you know, but I think the Bills are the kings of the AFC, right close next to the Chiefs, too. And then the, the Broncos right there with them as well. I mean, the, the Broncos have just looked phenomenal this season. Yeah, and the dumpster fire. <laughs> oh, you didn't have to say it. Well, I just w- wearing his Denver hat right now, hoping to God they don't lose to – a running gameless indie tonight. Hey, Searle said Searles, earlier. Searle said earlier with Thursday night football, it's a war of attrition. Whoever stays healthier, that means Searle's taking the Broncos, right? They've stayed somewhat yeah, healthier. And Jonathan, yeah, because Jonathan Taylor might not be healthy. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be an ugly game no matter what because the Broncos are down Javante Williams and Randy Gregory too. It's just it's going to be an ugly football yeah, game tonight. I mean, every every game that Denver's played this year has been ugly. They're not fun to watch. <laughs> oh. They're not. I'm sorry. You, Denver's uh, not a fun team. Did, the Denver's when the Broncos play the Raiders, I refuse to watch. Searles is is protesting. Did you uh, get anything <laughs> on your hunting trip? I did not. No, I, I did not get anything. But I had a buddy who shot a bear and who shot a cow elk. Uh, we saw bears. We saw moose. We saw mountain lions. Uh, we saw it all. So it was a great trip. Great time with dad in the woods. But uh, unfortunately, I came home empty-handed again. So. Was was the bear just within waving distance, or was there it was, a, a actually, safe? It, it stuck his it stuck uh, the bear stuck his head into the ground blind um, that my buddy was sitting in, and he pulled his bow back and shot it. So it was an interesting experience. Were you in that blind as well, or no? I was about thirty yards away from him when I heard the whole thing go down. So I was not, but I, when I saw over and saw the whites of his eyes, I knew something happened. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, adventures with Searles in the woods. Jay, be good. No Best to you and your family. Thanks for the time today. Absolutely, guys. Sorry about the, the phone call in the store, but I appreciate you guys, and go Big Red always. There he is, Jeremiah Searles with us, Husker standout NFLer at Searles71 underscore HSKR. It's where you find him on Twitter. Yeah, that's uh, not something that happens every day. A bear sticks his head down in the uh, the blind. 
No, I'm, I'm thinking heard, Revenant. I've heard good things about bear meat, too. I've, I've it, never n- tried it. Not anything I necessarily want to go hunting for, but if somebody offered me, like, hey, I got a little, beer, a little bear tenderloin here, I'd try it. I've, uh, I've only done, you know, the whole deer jerky, deer sausage. I love buffalo, but, yeah, I, I need to figure out somebody that can get some wild game and I can throw it on the smoker. Not interested in going on the trip. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll cook it for you. Uh, speaking of, uh, of Buffalo, uh, Ralphie looking for a head coach. We'll check in with Gary Barnett, the 32nd anniversary of the fifth down game. Coach Barney on the way at Hale Varsity presented by Currency. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. We say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett, Northwestern and Colorado. Coach, how's the week? Well, pretty interesting week going on here in Boulder, Chris, as you might imagine, after we become one of five schools who have let their coach go uh, early in the year. So, um, you know, fortunately, I guess, and probably planned this way, we have a bye week. So, mm-hmm. Uh, we named uh, Mike Sanford, uh, who was the offensive coordinator, as the interim head coach. And so they've got two weeks to get ready for Cal next week. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of buzz around here. It's it's sort of like, you know, when I, it's, when I refer to things that just seem to hurt all the time, I think about having a pencil stuck in my eye. Mm. And so every time you touch it, you can just imagine what it feels like. So I think we finally removed the pencil from our eye <laughs> right now and everybody's just breathing a little bit better, but we have no idea where it's going, but there's hope on the horizon. So just like you guys, there's hope on the horizon. Well, and you know what, Nebraska was able to get it done and and distance themselves in a tight game, a tie game against Indiana. I don't think Indiana's great but nebraska did something they they haven't done and that's win a tight ball game and and the buy-in for mickey is pretty high right now and and i don't think it's just caught up in the emotion what he's telling the kids they're doing but coach they're seeing it work at least they saw it work for a win yeah you know and uh special teams were really important in that game uh chris they they did a great job with special teams and you know, their numbers weren't great, but they, you know, third down conversions were great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they threw one pick, but, um, you know, the penalties, they got to eliminate penalties is, is an issue. But I thought they played, um, uh, you know, other than two turnovers and the penalties, I thought they played really well. And, um, you know, they played better defense than they had. And you're right, Indiana's not the best, but Indiana's, they can do some things, and they're and they're a solid team. Mm-hmm. But um, the wins, what's important? Uh, you know, you had great. I thought you had just great chemistry on the in that stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it looked great, it felt great, and uh, a lot of energy on the field, a lot of energy in the stadium. So that was a good win. I want to get your thoughts. Are you surprised about Wisconsin and call and Coach Christ? Well, a little bit, you know, what I'm sort of getting the drift is that Leonard may have been close to, uh, you know, the Nebraska job, and I, and they may want to have just sealed it and kept him there. That's sort of what I'm hearing. I don't know if how, you know, you never know if there's any truth to that, but 
um, certainly Leonard would be a guy that would be uh, a candidate at most of the jobs that are coming open. They're going to come open. And so um, it's sort of like they knew that's who they wanted and might as well make the move now so they could take him off the table. So um, very, very likely that could have happened. But you know, again, speculation. Well, and I mean, Leonard's a name that that's been out there and in talking with Coach Alvarez in the past. He's like Jim's ready for a head job anytime he wants. And as far as you know, looking if you're Nebraska, looking at a coordinator, uh, would you look at a Leonard because of his age, uh, opposed to the getability of a, of a Leipold and Lance's kind of tried to stamp out any speculation of him back to Wisconsin. You know, we talked out loud this week, all right, you give Leonard a chance to to win the job or you make the move so you can keep him. You give him a tryout or trial, and then if things don't improve, uh, you uh, you go move on to, to Lance because of his Wisconsin connection. Uh, what, what do you think right now of Lance and KU? He's, he's a super loyal guy. Yeah, I mean, there's you know it's way too early for all that stuff. I mean, Kansas could implode right. and all of a sudden revert back to what it was. I mean, they lose that quarterback, and, and that's a different looking team. So uh, anything can happen. It's way too early. We're not even halfway through, and uh, so uh, I think everybody will just sort of watch what happens in the next four weeks, four to five weeks. You can tell again, but. Um, I think it's way too early to call any of that stuff. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're talking some of the coaching openings and, you know, with Nebraska and uh, their movement forward. Tell me what you think of Friday night. We've got a Friday night affair out in East Rutherford, or check that Piscataway. And uh, it's it's Shiano, it's Rutgers, and I think Vegas says three right now. Rutgers isn't great, but, man, they're tough. Very good defensively. They, uh, you know, that'll be a tough, tough ball game. And, uh, you know, they don't move the ball very well. They can run it a little bit. They don't throw it very well. But uh, they play really good defense. You know, they're, they're one of the top defenses in the country, and especially against the rush. So, uh, you know, this will be a hard get on the road. I, I don't think that's a real tough place to play. Mm-hmm. You don't get inspired playing there. But it's, um, you know, it is a Friday night, and, and that'll bring out a good crowd. And so, yeah, Nebraska's got to keep it going. I mean, Nebraska doesn't have an impressive win, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, Rutgers is 3-2, and two, and they don't have a real impressive win. Um, but – the uh, you know three points favored. I I think the, I don't know. I think Rutgers playing there. You know this is a really too close of a game to call. And if Nebraska commits the penalties they did last week, they're they're gonna have, they're gonna struggle with this team because Seattle's a heck of a coach now, mm-hmm. and he's got a history there, and so um, he gets them up to play. So this is. This should be a good, really good football game between two teams that need a win. It looked a lot easier than it than it was last weekend with Rutgers and Ohio State coach. I mean, that thing was seven apiece or 14 yep. to seven heading into halftime. So, you know, Rutgers is going to make you earn everything. I, I'm worried about the turnovers. Nebraska has been pretty good turnover-wise. 
uh, taking care of the football, but uh, the O-line's still a concern for me with Nebraska, and they, uh, they had to, to do some, some movements just because of, of performance and then, uh, of course, an ejection. Well, there was uh, – and I, is he in, uh, ejected for the first – I don't, that happened in the first half, didn't it? So yeah, he missed the second quarter. He missed, he missed the second yeah, half, so, he, so I think he, he's back. He can play. He can play. Uh, you know, Nebraska didn't run the ball very well against Indiana, 67 yards, and that's, you know, it's going to be tough running against uh, Rutgers as well. So you're right, turnovers, penalties, and they've got to be able to move the football. But uh, I don't know if Rutgers can move the ball very well, but – you know, big thing is, can Nebraska's offense win this game? And, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Coach, it's the uh, the anniversary of the fifth down ball game. And don't shoot the messenger here. I saw Coach DiNardo respond to something on social media. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, thinking back to that, uh, that day in Columbia? Well, I, I can tell you this. All of us had a clear conscience about that whole game. <laughs> because... Absolutely no one, and and people can say what they want, no one knew that that was a fifth down because the chains and the clock said second down. And Coach uh, McCartney, I'm standing right there, I'm in the huddle, I'm calling the plays, and I'm standing next to Coach Mack when he says to the official, it's second down, is that right? And he said, yes. And so he told him what we were going to do. He said, we're going to run a play, then we're going to get up and spike it, and then we're going to run one more. And he says, if you let them hold us down and we can't spike the ball, you got to let us have a chance to get up to spike the ball. And that's just what happened. We ran a play. Uh, we tried to get up. They were holding us down. They called, blew the whistle, let us get up. We spiked the ball. We ran another play, and it was a touchdown. So, um, you know, I ask uh, – our quarterback, Charles Johnson, after we got the first down and then spiked the ball the next play, Missouri was trying to get their uh, goal line defense in. It was balls on the three or four yard line. And so they were trying to get a timeout call. And so we, we spiked the ball and then ran a play and called a timeout. And then uh, as we came over to the huddle, I looked up and I saw two on the, on the uh, boxes and chains. And I said, what's that? He says, well, I think Missouri, they said our first play didn't count because Missouri called a timeout. So that was, that was what we all heard. And so we said, okay, so we we didn't think about it. So, you know, we certainly wouldn't have spiked the ball on fourth down if we knew about it. (laughs) So anyway, that's our story and we're sticking to it. All right. What (laughs) happens in Lawrence, TCU, KU? Oh, boy. You know, I'll tell you, TCU is a good football team. I, I, I don't think Lawrence can win this game. Kansas is uh, seven-point underdogs, and uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they're on a roll. They got game day. You know, the first time we ever had game day at, at Northwestern, there wasn't any way we were going to lose that game, and we were playing Iowa. So, by the way, I think that's the only time it's been there. But um, <laughs> So, you know, Kansas, TCU's tough. This is this could be a heck of a football game. Um, I think I'd probably take Kansas in the points, but I think TCU wins the game. Tennessee at LSU, uh, maybe a look. No such thing as a look ahead, but they're down to the Bayou before Bama comes in. I don't. I like Tennessee. Okay. I, I like everything about Tennessee. I like their coach. I like their quarterback, 
and LSU's, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out uh, this new coach and everything else. So I, I like Tennessee down there. Utah at UCLA. I can't believe Utah's a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. <laughs> UCLA's playing really good football. Uh, you know, it's at UCLA, which makes it not a hard place to play because they don't get anybody to show up to the games. Um, Utah's really good and very physical, but I like UCLA in this game at home. K-State at Iowa State, minus two. Oh, boy. That's a heck of a game. Uh, uh, really good football game. Iowa State lost a heartbreaker. They had three chances to beat Kansas last week mm-hmm. and couldn't do it. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa State at home. Okay. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, enjoy your bye weekend. Uh, I may be leading on you here down the road here for some used car advice. <laughs> okay, Chris. <laughs> Good talking to you. Good stuff from Coach Barnett. Uh, Gary Barnett with us on Hale Varsity here at Seacrest Field. And, and Barney's had a, a lot of cars. We've had that car conversation with him. And Junior keeps scouring the Internet for used foreign automobiles that have turbos and then he gets slapped down with the insurance quote <laughs> we have a great insurance agent shout out ben bolte but uh, you y- know <laughs> there's gonna be a money pit vehicle elijah what'd you drive for your first car chevy impala 2008 after the minivan still- that is. okay so you have the minivan and then you have the chevy impala mm-hmm. good yeah, good first car yeah like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency here at Seacrest Field, getting ready for high school action, Lincoln High and Lincoln East. No high school betting with Danny Burke from VEASAN Sports Network. The Pride of Chicago joins us at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, how's the week? Thanks for the time. It's good, guys. Yeah, appreciate you having me. You know, we got a uh, victory week here post-Nebraska game. It was a it was a little ugly for a second, but you wouldn't expect anything less. But, hey, you, you figured that was their get-right spot, having some time off. Uh, Mickey Joseph and the new defensive coordinator getting time to really instill what they want to into these guys. And, look, now you got another winnable situation on Friday against Rutgers. So uh, as gross as the record may look and what we've seen has made you feel – I'm actually feeling decent about Nebraska this week. Let's dive into the the numbers here. First and foremost, minus three, Nebraska favored. How do you feel about it when you look at some of the numbers, when you've done the analysis? Do you think it's going to be one of those fourth quarter games again, or does Nebraska maybe have a little extra in the tank here to, to cover with ease? Or do you think this thing goes the other way? Tell me what you feel. 
So, yeah, like I said, I, I do like Nebraska in this spot, and I would understand why there's some hesitation for betters to lay over a field goal with the Huskers. But, again, I, I can't stress enough how much I feel like that break with the new coaching staff in line is going to benefit this Huskers team. We still know they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. The defense still scares you. Don't get me wrong, but the good news is you're going against a Rutgers team that up to this point has only passed for 161 yards per game, whereas Nebraska with Casey Thompson looking pretty strong at 260. It, it isn't ideal, and obviously I'm sure you guys speak on this a lot, but it's not ideal that this Nebraska offense can come out there and wow you and woo you and you know, be like, oh, my goodness, you know, Casey Thompson's elite, and this offense looks great. Where's this been? And it happens in the first drive of the game, and then they just completely disappear. They can't really get the run game going. They have all these incomplete passes. It just turns sloppy, and you're like, what happened? that we saw in that first sequence. Well, I'm sure a lot of it could be those scripted plays, but you got to do a little bit better of in-game managing and being able to have consistent movement with the ball. Even if you're not scoring on a lot of these drives, at least control the time of possession so you can give your defense a break and time to recoup. So that's what I think the biggest difference maker to look at for Nebraska in this game is going to be. And if there's a chance to do it, it's got to be against the Scarlet Knights. I'm not envisioning it to be a pretty win. And you know what? Maybe they do push on three. But here in Illinois, I'm seeing a money line price of, I think it's minus 139 or, uh, yeah, minus 139 for Nebraska. Look, seldom, if you have a team laying three, do you get that cheap of a money line price? Usually it's at least minus 160 or minus 165. So I went ahead and actually just laid Nebraska minus a buck 39 on the money line. I think you'll start to see them kind of get in the direction we all figured they were going to be at the beginning of the season. But because of that reset, because you got a nice win against the Hoosiers, you get a weaker Rutgers team. Now's the time to keep it going, and I think they do just that. Danny, the Huskers a three-point favor on Friday night. Tonight, the Broncos a three-point favor against the Colts on Thursday night football in a game that is sure to feature some ugly offense based on what we've seen uh, from both of these teams so far this season, and it pains me to say as a Broncos fan. But what do you like tonight in Thursday night football? Yeah, so I actually was looking forward to laying Denver minus three before the Jonathan Taylor news. When you lose a running back, unless it's Derrick Henry, at most it's going to impact the spread by about half a point. And that's kind of what you saw with this game, because a lot of shops went up to minus three and a half in favor of Denver once that news was announced. But a lot of times you can plug and play with running backs, and Jonathan Taylor hasn't been doing anything special this year, and that's a big part of why they've struggled. So now you lose him, and they get the Philip Lindsay revenge game. Oh, baby, can't wait for that. But um, I do think it's a good spot here for your Broncos, Elijah. So I lay three at minus 115. The Colts have been a disaster. Denver needs this win here. Even though they're, what, 2-2 two and two right now, it's a disastrous 2-2. Two and two. And you get another chance for redemption at home if you're Nathaniel Hackett. And if there's a team that can make you look like a decent coach on a short week, it's got to be the Colts and how they've looked thus far. So I like Denver here minus three. I did a couple props as well. I did Russell Wilson over 19 and a half completions at minus 130. Now, this number has jumped up to about 20 and a half. That's the highest I would play it. But Russell Wilson is only averaging 20 pass completions per game. That's not the number you expected to see out of him, nor should expect to see out of him as the season progresses, especially since you lost your number one running back in Javante Williams. You're probably not going to want to run it as much with Melvin Gordon, who tends to fumble the ball a lot. And you're going against a cold secondary that really hasn't been too strong. They're allowing opponents to complete 21 passes per game and quarterbacks to complete 69% of their pass attempts, which is 27th worst. So after I was doing all my numbers and plugging it in, I thought this prop should be in the range of 21.5 to 22.5. 
and I got it at 19 and a half. So I think we see Russell Wilson at least get 21 completions in this game. And I also bet him over one and a half passing touchdowns. I got it at plus 130. That number has come crashing down a lot because people have been betting it as well. But all opposing quarterbacks against the Colts, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, have thrown at least two passing touchdowns against Indy thus far. Wilson finally threw two last week against the Raiders. And without, again, Javante Williams, maybe they want to throw the ball more in the red zone. And the Colts have the second-best run defense in the NFL. However, opponents in the red zone against the Colts, when they make it there, are scoring 80% of the time. 80% of the time in the red zone, they're getting a touchdown against the Colts. I don't think they're going to want to run it as much down there. I think they'll be able to move the ball. So that means Russell will probably be throwing for passing touchdowns. So over one and a half in that regard, and then him over 19 and a half completion. Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. Danny, a couple of minutes here. Danny with VEASAN Sports Network. Who else do you like? What are you keen on this weekend in the NFL? Yeah, I did a couple of teasers this week. The line shifted for the Tampa Bay Bucks game, but I do think Tampa Bay bounces back. I mean, Tom Brady's not going to lose three in a row, and he's not going to have that game be a loss to the Falcons. I get Atlanta's offense has been competent, but you're also without Patterson, and you're now going up against one of the best defenses. So, when it was um, eight, I teased down the Bucks to minus two and paired it with the Vikings down to minus one. Daniel Jones, all he needed to do was hand the ball off or do a bootleg against the Bears defense, and they had a lot of success. Now imagine what a Kirk Cousins offense with Delvin Cook, with Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen in an actually good offense is going to do. They love doing play action. Delvin Cook's looking for a signature game this year. Now's the time to do it against a team he historically dominates. So tease down the Vikings. Pair it with the Bucks, and then another spot I teased down the Bucks and paired it with the Packers. I get the Packers have looked horrible. I'm going to look to probably fade them in the future, but even though it's an international game, it's still the Giants, a very one-dimensional team. The Packers I teased down to minus two. They'll win in an ugly way probably once again. Aaron Jones over 57.5 rushing yards. I also like that because the Giants are allowing over five yards per carry, and Aaron Jones has been one of the best running backs and making really the most – uh, just the best out of the limited situations he's been in. So uh, that's the other teaser I like. And then I also went with the Dolphins minus three against the Jets. Yeah, yippee, you beat Mitch Trubisky and half a Kenny Pickett against the Steelers. You're still the Jets, and you look at Miami, no, they don't have Tua, but there's a reason Teddy Bridgewater's are backup because he's a seamless plug-in into this offense. He's virtually the same quarterback as Tua, so I don't think that hinders anything, and you're getting a bylow spot on the Dolphins, and you call it the fallen hero theory where the backup steps in, the team usually rallies around it. I think that happens with the Dolphins. And then the final one I got, boys, Ravens money line minus 165. I didn't want to mess with the three. I feel like this is going to have a lot of shenanigans against the Bengals being a division matchup in prime time. I think it's a get-right spot for the Ravens. They're better than what they led you to believe with their record and what they showed against the Dolphins and the Bills last week. So give me the Ravens on the money line. And also really quick, did uh, Damian Pierce under 16 and a half carries? I'd go deeper, but I know we're running out of time here. Danny Burke, VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5. Give him, give him a follow. Give him a listen. Weekends with VEASAN. Danny, thanks for the time today. You bet, fellas. Appreciate it. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday road show. We're here at Seacrest Field, Lincoln High out here, warming up here at Seacrest. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're presented by... 
Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency if you're in Lincoln or surrounding areas. KFOR will have the broadcast tonight. East and Lincoln High. Should be a good ball game. Benny Nagoy, Malachi Coleman, two uh, stud D1 ballers. Malachi set uh, yet, I should say, yet to make his call on where he'll play. Betty, uh, Matt Campbell commit for Iowa State. So big thanks to Coach Barnett, Danny Burke, with the uh, the Vegas inside there with uh, VEASAN Sports Network. Searles kicked off this second hour. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Let us know what you think of Hale Varsity Radio, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take the feedback and appreciate it. And uh, you can find it also on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Tomorrow, Elijah, got your, uh, got your game face ready? So we'll be at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. Oh, you know it. I'm ready for so many fruity drinks with umbrellas. I, I wasn't going to say anything. I mean, you can do the mojito how you want to do the mojito. You know, I, I maybe we'll just stick with the uh, the hail ale for tomorrow night. Or it, it, it is technically October, and that means sober October. And I, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to follow through with that or not this year. But uh, may, maybe tomorrow night will be a good indication based on how the game goes. You, you go ahead. I'll, I'll I, I will cover you the the other way. Uh, let's hear one more thought from Mickey Joseph. We sent and, and played a little bit of his sit down with Rivals National. But mindset this second half of the season, it's got to carry over tomorrow night for kickoff. We talked to him a lot about working a certain way in practice to get yourself to play a certain way on Saturdays. And and what I can do, I can't ask you to practice soft and play hard on Saturday. So everything we do, we're going to put stress and we're going to strain the finish. We're going to strain the finish in everything that we do. And you saw it Saturday, they strained the finish in the full quarter and made it happen. And it was like a big piano off their back because now they see that they can do it. Because you have to understand these kids, they've been beat up for years. Whoever been in this program for five years hadn't won over 20 games. You know, I, I had won, I won over 20 games my first three years. Yeah. You know, and so they hadn't. So you had to, you had to change the way they think. You know, and, and say, I'm gonna get you thinking a certain way. And, and, but giving them, encouraging them, you know, patting them on the back. Like today is positive day. My D-line coach is ready to tear into the D-line today. He says, is it positive Thursday? Yes, it's Wednesday, but it's positive Thursday. Because we're going to come at you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But Thursday, we're going to start building you back up. But they, like I said, they, they want it. They want to be successful. They've been close. Now they see that, okay, we can win close games. How do, this is how we do it. And finally, they had to do it differently than they've been doing it before. And they had to change, and they change, and now they believe like, okay, this is the right thing to do. So they're gonna they prepared, and we're gonna continue to coach them. We we'll always coach them up until kickoff, and so we're gonna keep doing what we've been doing with what has got us to be successful against Indiana, and we're gonna try to do the same thing against Rutgers. Mickey Joseph, uh, Huskers in Piscataway, we're at the Hale Varsity Club tomorrow, four to six. La Vista, come see us. So we get you ready for uh, Nebraska. And Rutgers for Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt back at you tomorrow at four with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.